0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, our text today, in a message entitled, Remember the Lord Your God. You can think about the message today uh, as the 2023 message, New Year's message part 2, and uh, then we're going to get back to our study in 1 Timothy uh, next Sunday morning, but I want us to think about where we should be focused and how we should be thinking as the people of God as we enter into a new year and think back about what God has done for us in the year that has passed and what he's doing in our lives in the present. And we'll read the scripture here in just a moment. It's a rather long narrative, but uh, we'll read the entirety of it and I think it'll benefit us as uh, we move forward together today. Have you ever noticed how we have a tendency to take good things for granted? whether it be our health or relationships or material things that we've been blessed with, we tend to take the good things for granted, and we tend to feel a sense of crisis when they're not good. To take something for granted is to fail to properly appreciate someone or something, and it's generally due to a sense of overfamiliarity. We're just accustomed to it, so we don't think that much about it. If we are not careful, we can take God and his goodness in our lives for granted. Pride and self-sufficiency are traps that any of us can easily fall into, and I think it's especially a trap in a prosperous society like we live in. A few years ago, Google released a database of over 5 million books that had been published between 1500 and the year 2008 and a database was formed where you could type a search word into it, and you could discover certain words that have been used uh, more over the period of time that is the span of uh, 500 years. So a journalist did an inquiry and found that in the past 50 years, for example, individualistic words and phrases increasingly overshadowed communal words and phrases. For example... Words like self, personalized, and phrases like, I can do it myself, have risen substantially. The second part of what the journalists found is that words focused on moral virtue have been on the decline. Words like humility, discipline, patience, faith, and so on. It's reflective of where we are as a culture. And if we overemphasize self and we take God and his goodness for granted in our lives, that puts us in dangerous spiritual territory. Deuteronomy is basically structured around a series of sermons or farewell speeches and then two songs of Moses, who was the leader of Israel. Moses would not be permitted to enter in to the promised land, but he would die up on the mountain only looking over into it because of his own disobedience to God at a crucial moment in time where he should have done what God said to do. His last act was to instruct a new generation. They were getting ready to cross the Jordan River and take possession of the promised land. And the series of messages that he delivers accomplish several things as they're approaching the promised land. Moses wanted to instill in them a sense of their identity as the children of God. To remind them where God had brought them from and how God had rescued them out of slavery in Egypt and now had brought them to the brink of entering into the promised land. He also warned Israel against the temptation of idolatry, which was a perpetual problem for them spiritually. And he focused on their responsibility to obey God and to honor him with their lives. There's a biblical premise here that applied to them, and I think is very timely and applies to us just as much today. And, and this is the biblical premise. Don't get full of success and good living and forget God. Don't get full of success and good living and forget God. Now we begin in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills. A land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing. A land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God For the good land he has given you. Verse 11 Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full, and build beautiful houses to live in, and your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold multiply, and everything you have increases. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Verse 15, he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers had not known in order to humble and test you. So that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your fathers as it is today. And then verse 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them... I testify against you today that you will perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. From this narrative, I want us to consider three ways to remember God. The first way to remember God is to thank God for how he has led you. Thank God for how he has led you. Look again in verse 2. Remember that the Lord your God has led you. God delivered them from slavery in Egypt and they found themselves in the wilderness. For 40 years, they were on a journey in the wilderness. Yet each of those years and every one of those days, in each of those moments, they were faithfully led by God. In the midst of that, God humbled and he tested his people. And they had two options. And the options are the same for us today. We can either rely on ourselves and trust ourselves and not honor God. Or we can trust God and we can honor him. The choice is clear. And when the Bible says that God tested them in order to know what was in their hearts, oh, God already knew what was in their hearts. But what he was doing was he was giving them an opportunity to respond to him outwardly in faith and to obey his commandments. The Lord already knows what's in our hearts, and yet he gives us the opportunity as well to respond to him outwardly in faith and obey his commandments. Psalm 78 and verse 52 says he led his people out like sheep and he guided them like a flock in the wilderness. He led them safely, and they were not afraid, but the sea covered their enemies. He brought them to his holy territory, to the mountain that his right hand acquired. God always faithfully leads his people, and he was with Israel no matter what the circumstances were, and he will be with you in your life no matter what the circumstances are if you will trust in him. Think about Moses' life. He was with the baby Moses when he was placed in the river to save his life. He was with Moses as he was raised in the Pharaoh's household. He was with Moses for 40 years when he found himself in the backside of the wilderness as a shepherd. He was with Moses when God called him at the burning bush to lead his people. And he was with Moses when God called him to confront the Pharaoh, to tell his people, uh, to tell him to let his people go. And God was with Moses and the people through the ten plagues. And then he led them as he guided them through the wilderness. And I want you to think back for a moment over your life and the course of your life. Reflect on how God has led you. And we all know that life is not a straight path. It's not a straight path from point A to point B. It's more like a meandering path. It, it's like a river that might be straight for a little while, but then it's going to take a turn somewhere along the way. We might use the analogy that life is a lot like a West Virginia road, it's not straight for long. And we need God. To lead us. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 in verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, God leads us in a number of ways. He leads us by his providence. He plans and prepares our lives and our future. He orders the steps of our lives. Did you choose what family you're going to be born into? Did you choose where you would be born? Did you choose all of the circumstances that have surrounded your life and many of the things that have uh, ordered the way that you have been guided? God's in those things. And yes, we have freedom of the will and we live in a sin fallen world and it's an imperfect process but we have a perfect God who is super superintending these things even in the midst of the fallen world even in the midst of an imperfect world that we live in he is still guiding us by his providence in Matthew chapter 10 Jesus said aren't two sparrows sold for a penny Yet one of them falls to the ground. Verse 29, without your father's consent, not one of them falls to the ground. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Did you hear what Jesus said? Your life is worth far more than the sparrows. And not one of them falls to the ground outside of the watchful eye of God. And even the hairs on your head are numbered. God leads us by his providence. He also leads us by his word. He would give Israel the law and direction and Moses would proclaim it to them. As the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light And to my path, Psalm 119 and verse 105. We've not been left on our own. God's told us who he is and who we are and how we can be reconciled to him and how we can live our lives. He's he's told us about eternal matters. All these things God has communicated to us. And he leads us through his word. God leads us by his presence. Think about Israel. They followed the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire So that they could travel by day or by night and the cloud and the fire represented the manifest presence of the glory of god And as new testament believers We have the manifest presence of the glory of god in our lives through the indwelling holy spirit That when we call on christ and our faith is in him the spirit of god Seals us for the day of redemption and he indwells us. We are baptized in the spirit In John 14 and verse 17, Jesus said, he lives with you and he will be in you. So God leads us by his presence in the spirit. And when we have those promptings, we can always test a prompting according to the word because it's always going to be consistent with the word and it's going to be consistent with who Jesus is. God will never lead us in a way that is inconsistent with his word. You can be guaranteed that if someone tells you to do something or you think that you're prompted to do something, that it is and it is contrary to the word of God, it is not from God. Because God always speaks truth through his word. And God is faithful also to lead us by the influence of others in our lives. Think about how the mood and the focus of the Israelites changed quickly, almost in an instance, uh, based on conversations and attitudes that they had among them. And we aren't any different. And in light of that, you better be careful about the company you're keeping and about the people who are speaking into your life. You want to surround yourself with people who are also seeking God, who want to remember and honor God, And be sure that they are speaking truth into your life as well. Thank God for how he has led you. The second way to remember God is to bless God for how he has cared for you. Now verse 14 says, Be careful that your heart does not become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. In the wilderness, they had to depend on God for everything, food, water, clothing, the whole deal. In the wilderness, they were allowed to hunger. And what did God do? God provided for them manna, which they had never seen before. And he was teaching them in that moment that he could be trusted and that he was going to care for them in the basics of life. The lesson they were be t- being taught in the manna is that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Miraculously, their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell for 40 years. And why was that? Because God was caring for their basic needs of life. Did God not instruct us? Did Jesus not instruct us in the Lord's Prayer to pray? give us this day our daily bread. He cares about every detail and every need that you have. God cared for them with the tabernacle. It represented the presence of God among the people. When it was placed in the center of the camp, it represented the place of worship where the Israelites Could receive cleansing for their sins, where offering could be given, where God would be exalted. And yet, those sacrifices had to be made over and over again. Why? Because they were pointing to the once and for all sacrifice in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They were pointing to Jesus who would offer himself up as the Lamb. And yet, the tabernacle in their midst reminded them that. God was drawing near to them. That he was making himself available to them. And God cared for them by giving them the law, including the Ten Commandments. And the law pointed to God's holiness and it guided them toward spiritual health and toward a greater dependence on God. And then God cared for them by protecting them from their enemies. Remember when they came up against the Amalekites... Moses instructed Joshua to choose men to fight, and Moses was going to stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. And when he did, and he held up his hand, the Israelites prevailed. But when he grew weary and he let it down, the Amalekites prevailed. So they had Moses sit down on a stone, and Aaron and Hur held up his arms from each side, and they defeated the Amalekites. When we think about our lives, we face many enemies. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. Battle. We still live in a sin-fallen world, and there's a struggle between light and darkness and good and evil. The victory has already been won through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, but even still, we're in the midst of this struggle, and we struggle not against flesh and blood, but we're in a struggle that is a spiritual struggle. And I am convinced that there are many times that God is protecting us when we don't even know that we needed to be protected. God fights for us, and he's our rear guard. He goes before us, and he also watches behind us. And he protects us from the enemies that we face. And I want you to think for a moment about how God has cared for you in your life. How he's been faithful as your shepherd. The idea of a shepherd is a powerful one in the Bible. I already referenced Psalm 23 in verse 3. As you should probably know verse 4 as well. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. From the beginning to the end, The Bible presents this idea of God as a shepherd of his people. And the people then would have fully understood the occupation of shepherding. It was so common. It's still common in many parts of the world today. The patriarchs were all shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Everybody was familiar with shepherding. And I think God chose this analogy because sheep are dependent creatures. They are prone to wander and they're in constant need of care. They are defenseless and dependent in every way. But you'll also remember that in the Old Testament, God chastised the shepherds who were unfaithful, the bad shepherds, the shepherds who failed to provide care for the people of God. And the scripture indicates that those shepherds took advantage of the people for their own gain rather than properly caring for them and feeding them. And they treated them with force and severity according to Ezekiel 34 and verse 6. But we're given a contrast to that, in fact, the perfect and complete contrast to that in the New Testament, when Jesus presents himself as the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. He is the one who is the door of the sheep. He is the one who willingly gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life so that we could have life. He gave his life so that we could be reconciled to God. And we can say today that there is no greater care that has ever been given or could ever be given than by the Lord Jesus as the good shepherd. And one of the greatest blessings of the Christian life is how God cares for us. Sometimes we overlook it so easily and we get busy and and we take it for granted, and, and we don't realize just how good God has been to us as our shepherd. And his care is comprehensive in your life. Every little detail of your life matters to God. Listen to the way the psalmist put it in Psalm 103, beginning in verse 2 and going through verse 4. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He tells us here to not forget any benefits that God has given us and to bless the Lord. Why? Because he's the God who forgives us. The greatest need that any of us have is to be forgiven. And the reason that the greatest need that any of us have is to be forgiven is because that's how we're reconciled to God. God is holy and we are not. We need him. And the only way is through the way that he has provided in his son. And we stand as a forgiven people, as a blessed people, as a healed people, as a redeemed people. And this word crown in Psalm 103 and verse 4 comes from a root word that means to circle, to surround, or to hem in. So here's the image. When you are crowned with the faithful love and compassion of God, you are encircled by his love. There's nowhere that you can go where you'll be outside of the love of God. There is no direction that you can start out in and be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's a little story that's told of old about a farmer who mounted a weather vane on his barn. And on this weather vane that he mounted on his barn, he painted the words, God is love. And somebody looked up at the weather vane and the words, God is love. And they asked this question of the farmer. Do you mean that God's love is as changeable as the wind? Oh, no, said the farmer. It means that God is love no matter which way the wind blows. If the wind blows fair, God is love. If the wind blows foul, God is love. And if the wind does not blow at all, God is love. And so it is in our lives the love of god does not is not determined by the circumstances of life the love of god is consistent it is eternal it is poured out into our hearts through christ jesus our savior and it doesn't matter if the wind around you is blowing fair and everything is just splendid and life is good and you're walking in the blessings Or if life is foul and the wind is blowing and the skies are dark and you don't know which way you're going to turn or what you're going to do in the moment, the love of God is still consistent. It is unchanging. And even if it feels like nothing is happening and it's just the stillness of the moment and you don't know what's coming next, the love of God is consistent. He is so faithful. And we are to bless him for how he has cared for us. And then the third way to remember God is to obey God with the provision he has given you. Verse 18 says, the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. Now I want to draw a contrast here that I think the scripture draws. Between the severity of the wilderness... And the abundance of the promised land. Between the severity of the wilderness and the abundance of the promised land. God was about to give them a land that was remarkable in its prosperity and in its goodness. They had just come out of an experience of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. It could not have been a more distinct contrast than what they were about to experience. In the promised land, they would find abundant water for sustaining life. Produce, including grains and wheat and barley, fruit, including grapes and figs and pomegranates, oil from olive trees, honey, minerals in abundance. They would lack nothing. In fact, I would say that if we were looking for a key word about the promised land, it would be the word plenty. There's going to be plenty of everything. And it couldn't have been more distinct. But I think there's a spiritual parallel here too that we must not miss. If your faith is in Jesus, you have been saved from your sin, and you have been brought out of a condition of lostness, you were wandering in the spiritual wilderness, you did not have the abundance of God in your life, you were Ultimately, separated from the best of what God intended for you. And then, when you were reconciled to Christ, you were welcomed into the full blessing of life with God. And now you have a rich spiritual inheritance to live your life by, and also one that is awaiting you in heaven through Christ. How abundant is this blessing that comes from God? Not only do you have that spiritual blessing, but you've got things that money can't buy. We've got got a church family so we can love one another and we can serve together and we can live life together and we can experience the goodness of God and honor him together. We have earthly family, some more than others. We have friends that can be counted on. On and on I could go about the blessings of God, the provision of God. And God expects us to obey him with the provision that he's given to us. And I think that we need the warning as much as the people of Israel did. Because in all of the prosperity, both spiritual and material, there is a significant danger that we might lose focus on God. As one preacher said, there is danger in the land of plenty. And the danger is that in the midst of plenty, we may forget God and how he so richly blessed us and think that it was by our own doing. Think about King Nebuchadnezzar. He was raised up by the providence of God to be uh, the greatest king in the world in his day for the purposes of God. And he overlooked his vast kingdom. And when he looked out over his vast kingdom, he said in his pride in Daniel 4 and verse 30, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? He dared to take the credit. And God's answer, in effect, was absolutely not. And God would demonstrate his authority by taking it from him and making him crawl around like a wild animal until he repented. And he gave glory to God. And we must never put ourselves in the position that we somehow think that it's by our power or our strength or our goodness that we have gained the provision that we have. Everything that is good comes from the hand of God. Moses said in verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. And I want to encourage you not to forget that it is the Lord who gives you the ability to gain what you have. Now there's a subtle challenge even in this. We all know the Christians speak. We know the right words to say. And if I were to ask you today what you have and the provision and the blessings and so on, you would tell me it's all from God, it's all from His hand, and that would be the right answer. But my question further would be, do you really believe that? Is that what God sees in your heart when He observes how you view these things, it's easy to say God did it with our words, but we got to mean it with our hearts. we got to be careful not to take credit for our own intellect or our own hard work because those things are from God as well. And you want to test the limits of your power and your strength and whether or not it came from you, friend. It can be gone in a moment everything in life can change in just a heartbeat everything in life can change with just a doctor's report everything in life can change by a circumstance that none of us could have known none of us could have planned none of us could have seen and it's in those moments that we are keenly aware that every moment in life is a gift from God and they were called to obey God because he had already freely given these things to him Don't get this out of order. It was their response of grace toward God and their obedience was a response uh, to the grace of God and it should be the same for us. We are not trying to gain favor with God. We are not trying to bargain with God. We are not trying to box God in so that God will do more for us. No, we are looking at the abundant grace of God and we are observing the all-encompassing, all-encircling love of God. And we are saying, God, because you have given us your super abundant grace and because you have loved us with a love that is eternal, we will honor you and we will bless your great name and we will obey you. With the provision you've given us. Our love for God is always a response to the fact that he loved us first. And you have the blessings that you have because God gave them to you. What kind of steward are you being? With the provision God has put in your hand in your life. There's a strong warning that was issued here to the people. In verse 19 and 20 of Deuteronomy 8. He said, if you ever forget the Lord your God and you follow other gods to serve them and you bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish. I believe that their bowing to and worshiping other gods was an evidence of the fact that they lacked faith in God. And I think it would be the same in our lives. Verse 20, just like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. Church pride is a great danger. Israel will be tempted to think we are better than these other nations, so we are safe. God certainly would not relate to us like this. God certainly would not exact judgment on us like that. And Moses said, oh, yes, he will. And you better pay attention. Now I close with this. Remember the Lord your God and all he has done for you. And I want to give you some points of application here for what this means for us as a church as we move into this next year. And I want us to think about it this way. Our past can be a very important tool in helping us learn how to live in the present and how to be prepared for the future. Our past can be a very important tool in helping us learn how to live in the present and how to be prepared for the future. And as a church, we focus on what it means to grow God's forever family. Our Statement is growing God's forever family. But what does that mean for us practically and how will we apply this in the coming year? Well, I already mentioned earlier uh, in the service today that our church theme for 2023 is going to be consistent with our midweek study right now, the transforming power of life with God and our verse uh, of focus, our verses of focus are Hebrews 4 and verse 14 through 16. But that also applies directly to how we serve and minister together as the church. And I'm going to send these out later. So if you don't get them down right now, don't worry about it. We'll send these out together so you can see it uh, all in one place. But as it applies to worship, we're asking this question. How can we grow in our walk with God? Individually, our devotion, our prayer life, our time in the Word, our drawing near to the Lord... And then collectively, when we come together like this, how can we grow in our walk with the Lord? Listen, we're not going through the motions. We're we're not here because we don't have anything else to do. We are here because we want to honor a great and glorious God, and he is worthy. And if that's your heart's desire, you'll be eager to be here together. You'll be eager to worship God daily on your own. You'll be eager to see how we can glorify the Lord in worship, because we want to make his name known. We want to honor him for who he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then as it applies to our small groups, we want to ask this question. How can we love and serve people who know Jesus and who need Jesus? How can we love and serve people who know Jesus and who need Jesus? Through the word, through practical needs, through encouragement, through building one another up, through edification, all that goes along with what it means to be in community. And If you're not in community yet, we want to encourage you to find a small group to gather with on a Sunday morning. That's where the heart of this church operates. It's so important to who we are as a people. And then ministry is this question. How can we use our spiritual gifts and the resources God has entrusted to us to bless our community and the world? How can we use our spiritual gifts and the resources God has entrusted to us to bless our community and the world? We want you to use your spiritual gifts. We want to be good stewards of these resources that are pouring out abundantly. And we want to bless our community. We we want this community, we want this region to know that Cross Lanes Baptist Church loves God and loves people. There's no doubt about it. There's a people down there who are different. They've been changed. Something has happened in their lives that is different from the rest of the world. And we want to be passionate about that in our ministry. And then finally, what about the mission? And the question is, how are we faithfully sharing Jesus down the street and around the world? How are we faithfully sharing Jesus down the street and around the world? And friends, if we will focus here, God will take care of the details. And we'll be caught up in something that is much greater than ourselves. And we'll experience the power of God in our lives. And we experience the power of God together. And that's what we ought to long for. That's what we ought to plead to God for. Not just going through the motions. Not just going through the steps. But God, would you make yourself known to us. God, help us to experience what transforming power means. Because we're living life with you. That's our prayer. Let's bow our heads together for a moment. As we come toward a close of the service, as a follower of Jesus, as a blessed child of God, would you take a moment and just thank God and bless His great name for what He has done and what He is doing and what He will do in your life? I know enough to know in a crowd this size, there are probably some folks who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. You'd have to say today, if you were honest, that you've never repented of your sins and come to follow Jesus Christ by faith as your Lord and Savior. I got good news for you. Today, your life can change for all of eternity. Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today, in this moment, right now, if you would cry out to God in prayer, expressing your faith to him, repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus, he'll save your soul He'll bring you into the family of God. He'll grant you the gift of eternal life. And you can leave this place eternally changed. That's the invitation for you. Almighty God, we are blessed to be called your children. We are not worthy, we are undeserving, but we are grateful. We thank you for what you have done in our lives. We thank you for what you have done in this church. We anticipate what you're going to do in the days ahead. As we yield our lives, as we give our very best to you in response to the all-encompassing love that you've extended to us through your son. Father, I pray as we close out this time today, if there are steps of faith that need to be taken or spiritual decisions that need to be made. That people would respond as they're given that opportunity. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.